Welcome to Intuitive Eating for Christian Women. I'm your co-host, Erin Todd. I'm a writer and an intuitive eater. And I'm your co-host, Charlie Castle, registered dietitian and exercise physiologist. We're here to help you discover whole health for your mind, body, and soul. That's right. Our goal is to embody scripture, ditch dieting, and live on purpose. Woo! Woo! Yes, girl. Today on the Intuitive Eating for Christian Women podcast, our guest, Tracy Brown, shares about how trauma creates soul wounds and impacts food and worth. Tracy Brown, RD, LDN, is a trauma-informed nutrition therapist and eating disorder dietitian. She's a stress recovery coach and nutrition counseling skills teacher. Tracy walks beside people wanting to heal their relationship with food and weight, as well as feel safer and less stressed in their bodies. Her testimony of recovery from eating disorders, trauma, and the new age is meant to bring glory to God's mercy and grace. Since 2006, she has guided people one-on-one and in groups in healing from disordered eating and chronic dieting. You can find her at tracybrownrd.com. She also provides trauma-informed and body image training and supervision to health professionals as well. That's at embodieddietitian.com. Before we jump into our conversation with Tracy today, as a reminder, for all of our podcast episodes, this program is for informational and educational purposes only, and it is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice. Our aim is to introduce you to the principles of intuitive eating and help you see how those principles align with scripture so you can improve your relationship with food, your body, and God, and cast out dieting for good. Let's jump into the episode. Hi, welcome, Tracy. We're so excited to have you with us today. Hi, Erin. Hi, Shirley. Hope you're doing great this morning. Yeah, we are. We are so excited to talk with you and... um, I think where we always like to start is just kind of giving the listeners a sneak peek into your history and your background. So um, whichever one goes back the farthest, your food story or your God story, start us at the beginning, please. Oh, my goodness. So I think they both go like this. I mean, yep. nobody can see that in my hands, but they're like weaving in and out of like, you know, and it makes sense when you look back over your life, right? Oh, more problems, less God. Got it. Gotcha. Uh-huh. I can see that. <laughs> So um, I guess I'll start with the food story and then they'll start to interweave with the God part. So um, very, I was actually very fortunate to grow up in um, a pretty normal eating household, um, probably because we didn't know any better. We were pretty poor. And so we lived on a farm. So you kind of ate what you got basically, mm-hmm. but it was all, every meal was very like, I wouldn't say an event, but like breakfast, lunch, dinner, very farmish, like you could imagine. So I grew up like eating, eating a lot, eating well. But, you know, as Christian or not, we're all exposed to the same cesspool of thinner is better. So even though my mother and grandmother, who I, everybody lived very close together. So it's like I almost had two mothers. Um, um, you know, I watched them diet and hate their bodies. And they weren't really, they didn't really hide that. So it's like I would see us the men and the kids eat normally and they would go through periods of like, it's, you know, late seventies, early eighties 
into the nineties, like just crash diet. Cause that's what you did. You didn't pretend mm-hmm. like you were being healthy <laughs> like it is now. Like it's yeah. very much like, Oh, we don't diet. We're just, we're just healthy. And I'm like, we, as clinicians, we know what that means. It means mm-hmm. I'm not eating en- enough usually, or I don't know that I'm not. So anyway, I observed that. And of course, as a highly sensitive kid, just like, Oh, no taken. That's just what you do when you're an adult female. Cause mm-hmm. they didn't, they'd have periods of kind of normal eating and then periods of whatever they're doing, you know, slim fast, mm-hmm. skipping meals, whatever they did. It was all extreme stuff. That's what mm-hmm. you did back then. So anyway, but I just kind of like, Oh, little kid head, whatever. But, um, as you get older, you start to recognize like, Oh, people say stuff, people compare and it starts to become a little more internalized. Those bad seeds are planted. Right. Mm-hmm. So the time I was eight, I got it. Like that is bad. It's not good to be that. Um, you know, I didn't have any other beliefs than that. It's just like, okay, well, whatever, go on and play. But as I got older and most people can relate to the story, you just get, you're changing more. You're trying to figure out who you are more and doing more life things that, um, have disappointments with them. So over time, um, you know, I never thought of my body as being bad or wrong, but I'm just bad and wrong just for all kinds of other stuff. Like, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of perfectionism and self-hatred. And that will get into the God story in a minute, but um, because of life and trauma and all that. But um, really, for me, the body was the container of feeling feelings that nobody wanted to hear about. And there were too much. So at the time I was 16, I just went on a diet like, oh, well, the boyfriend that broke up with me, his ex-girlfriend dieted. So maybe I should do that, too. Mm-hmm. That was it. Went on a diet, got anorexia, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. And I was already like a late blooming athlete kid anyway. So it's like I went there really quickly, just depleted wise. So anyway, and, um, you know, it's hard when God through that kind of suffering makes you the, um, poster child for all the many, many multiple generations back of stuff that nobody ever wanted to deal with. Right. Mm -hmm. So I became like, um, the, the truth, the, (laughs) the reluctant truth tell of everybody's stuff. Um, and recognize like the only way that I'm ever going to be free from any of this, including, you know, diet culture stuff, um, per people pretending like everything's okay is, um, through this. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was a very lonely journey of recovery. I did end up having though in late high school, um, after my hospitalization, which I'll talk about in a second was just a really great dietitian. She was a kind of Ellen Satterish dietitian before that was a thing. You know, she actually yeah. trained with her in like the early eighties, I think, you know, wow, what a blessing. The, it was such a, I mean, I wouldn't be here today without her yeah. um, and her just saying, well, what do you like? You know, I was kind of a tradition, pretty uh, stereotypical anorexic kid of like, nobody's going to make me do anything and I'm going to do it my way. And she's like, okay, well, if you're going to eat more and you know, you don't want to go back in the hospital and you know that this life is not for you, then what do you want to eat? And I would say, well, can I eat, this dinner roll, but it's the only grains I feel safe eating. And she's like, well, we'll eat six a day then. I'm like, I can do that. And, and that's what non-diet eating, mm-hmm. uh, dietitianing looked like back in the mid nineties. You know, that was it. There was no intuitive eating. There was just, you know, eat meals and, um, be honest with yourself about what you're doing mm-hmm. <laughs> basically, which was the miracle. So I ended up getting to a really good place physically by my late teens, early twenties and, you know, became a normal eater without knowing that that's what I was doing again. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I went back, to, I'm going to sh- go back to the beginning and say like one of the reasons I think that 
happened within a relative a couple of years is because I did have a good foundation. You know, I wasn't a kid that was dieted at five or at 10. Mm-hmm. So though, I think it's important to put those contexts that when we talk about the journey mm-hmm. is because, well, foundations matter a lot Yeah. to being able to like be, in, you know, how to be embodied around food. So mm-hmm. there's that. Now, body image is a whole other long journey as it is for a lot of us, because if you don't have other people and you don't have a strong relationship, maybe, or some downloads or whatever from the Holy Spirit, you're still trying to figure out like, well, I don't know how I'm supposed to be about this body when everybody's concerned about their body. Mm-hmm. Everybody, nobody's saying, Hey, your body, bodies are good. All bodies are good. They're all made good. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's really nice. But so-and-so just talk trash about this person. They don't know, or they do know. Mm-hmm. So how do I, how do I trust that? It's not actually how people live. So that was a long journey too, but I can talk about that later. But some of the the gifts the Holy Spirit gave me around that in the grocery store and places like that of like making me look at people with his eyes. And that's what healed my body image, not I'll be honest, body positivity. Anyway, yeah. we'll talk about that. So the God story part of this is that I feel like I've always loved God um, from a young age and would talk to him a lot about myself. Um, I did start off in the Catholic church and I eventually, you know, as us prophetic people kind of do like, okay, I think there's some stuff going on here. I don't like, I didn't know why or what, but I eventually left that and just kind of left God all together and then came back and we'll we'll get there. But, um, I think, um, you know, I know that he either either used this experience, which I don't know still. And I, um, because my family has a lot of backstory with some cultish stuff and backstory, just weird stuff that I think that is an influence on like me being careful to this day of like, well, is this the Holy spirit or is this false stuff? Because that's in my lineage, mm-hmm. you know, like four or five generations back of like lots of ick around like false stuff. So I'm always careful when I tell the story of, I think, you know, this is either the Holy spirit and, or it was God using whatever that was that was getting my attention for my good anyway, basically. Mm-hmm. So we'll just leave it at that because mm-hmm. I think some people hear like, supernatural experiences like oh I didn't get one to recover that's not fair mm-hmm. and they're not holy enough or they're like suspicious of it which are both normal reactions so I'll just say with this so when I went to the hospital that this is what got me back into like um you know on fire honestly in recovery when I was younger is that um so I'm in the hospital thinking, I'm just here because everybody's making me, me here. I don't want to be here. I have no intention of eating. This went on for like two days. Like you can't even go to the residential until you stabilize physically. I'm like, whatever. Let's, let's see who wins this battle of will here. And okay. So if I cry, I've told, I've told this story and I cry every time. But um, <laughs> so I'm just in the medical part here. It's on IV fluids and being willful and prideful and well, pretty trapped with my mind, basically. My mind wasn't mine. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a woman and she's kind of in, in a non fully here state, not gone, but not fully here, whatever. And there's a curtain between us and her family is just there talking to her, praying with her, being with her, kind of just gently weeping. And again, there's this like, oh, I'm 18 years old laying in this bed and I've done nothing. And she has people that love her. And they can't, and she can't do anything for them, but they still love her. So he was working on me with the pride at that moment. Like, wow, she's here, doesn't have legs. And obviously lived a full enough life to have people that want to be with her at this end point. So I started crying and just being, really, you know, um, 
God talks about like that um, holy um, brokenness and contriteness. And there it was. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, if I die, it's going to ruin a lot of people's lives forever. Cause that's where I was going for sure. And, you know, I didn't, wasn't thinking too much about myself. Like, well, what do I get out of this if I recover? But he gave me that in terms of like us talking here today, this was what he would have me do. And so there's tears, but, um, it was one of those moments, like, I don't know what was what, but I just know that from that moment on, I just started eating. Yeah. Because I knew, well, here's the bad. And then here's what's possible. Um, if I surrender, it was all about surrender. Yeah. Recovery, the whole, every moment of it was about surrender to letting him work on me and not trying to do it my own way. Yeah. So at that time, that goes back to the grocery store moment. Yeah. yeah at that mm-hmm. time, did you recognize like God is working here? This is Holy Spirit. I think this is God. I felt that way. Yeah, I did. I felt that like, oh, um, I thought it was God. And later on, because I didn't know much about it. Again, I kind of quit it all by fifth grade. Mm-hmm. So my understanding of like who God is, Jesus is, how the Holy Spirit works. Um, and it's probably a good thing because I didn't overly <laughs> analyze. I was just like, oh, he's here and he cares about this. Mm-hmm. He cares about this. He's not mad at me for this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I didn't choose, like I said, like, I didn't choose this. I know I put my will into pursuing calorie counting. I did the actions, but I didn't know what I was doing. And he forgave mm-hmm. me for that. So it gave me that, like just the peace and the strength, like do what you got to do. Yeah. And it's a good thing because I was in a place that wasn't a place you want to be. It wasn't really a eating sort of facility. It was like one of those places where we hold on to you until you're stable enough to leave. And there's no elevator going down <laughs> kind of place. Yeah. And it was pretty bad. And there's lots of experimentation on people and lots of crazy stuff happening. And I, he was clear here too. Like, if you don't eat, you can't leave. And this is not a place you want to stay. You know? So I was being protected there too of like, and the meals weren't hard. Like I know how hard it is for people when you're feeling like I have to eat this meal to be compliant. And so I don't work in compliance. I work in faith with people mm-hmm. around that because that's what helps me not like have like eat more food, relapse, eat more food, relapse, eat more food, relapse. That wasn't my story because of, um, you know, doing it in a repentance, faith, um, surrender kind of way versus being compliant because you're in treatment kind of way. And this is good for you kind of way. I didn't do it because it was good for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I did it because he was there for me. Yeah. That was difference. So yeah. Did that last, did that glow last like forever? No, of course not. About two months. And I'm like, you, you hit where people hit that six week, eight week mark where it's like, Whoa, I'm feeling lots of feelings now. Mm-hmm. And everybody experienced everybody restricting binge eating, no matter what you've got going on, when your body starts to change and you start to feel more, you know, you have buyer's remorse. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. want to do this. This is too much. I feel too much. Does everybody think? Um, but again, you know, he was still with me in it. And with that experience of like, you know, the eating, um, I just knew it. You know, I knew it because the Holy Spirit, like, you know, you getting your mind back is also the way you're going to be able to fight what's next. Mm-hmm. But you got to get your mind back. You can't live in a mind of starvation and of double-mindedness. 
this, then you live in whack-a-mole <laughs> for how many years or decades if if that's the story, right? Yeah. Like I'm doing a little better and then something else comes up that I'll restrict so I can cope with that. And uh, that's not the way he wants us to do it. To like just blindly do the activities. He wants us to do it and, um, you know, understand curses and blessings and why this is your, why you're working through what you're working through. He wants mm-hmm. us to understand that. So that was kind of my journey with that too for a while. So, yeah. But, so yeah. how did you become a dietitian? Yeah. So because of her, the dietitian I work with, like, oh, dietitians are great. You build a relationship. You talk about food, talk about science a little bit. I like to know how things work. And I just like the relationship because my relationship with the therapist that I had was actually very terrible, the mm. opposite. So I didn't think therapists were, it's almost like the idea of relationships was what I liked. I had a good one with her. If I had a good one with him, I might be a therapist right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's just how it is. Right. Um, and I didn't have good experience with him either. Honestly, it's, you know, there were lots of things that set me back in my journey because of that, but we won't go there today. And I don't think all therapists are like that. There's lots of really good ones, especially if you can find a biblically based one to help you. You're, you're in good hands. But um, yeah, so I thought that's what dietitians did. It's like basic because our work was very, very simple. It wasn't, you know, it was very relationship oriented and her challenging my thinking, which is what we all do here now. It wasn't like, here's your meal plan. Have a nice day. It wasn't like, eat this, don't eat that. So I thought that's what we did. So I went to school and the first two years are fine. It wasn't that, it's just basics. And then you get into the last two years, you're like, oh, this is everything that I've just worked myself out of for the last two and a half, three years. It it took longer to get through college, recovery stuff and taking time. And um, so by the end, it's, and I was in a really good place. So when you, the first two years were pretty good. And then the, the second half of dietetic school, you were realizing, oh my gosh, you're teaching me all the behaviors that I just yeah. worked out of with an eating disorder. So what Absolutely. did that look like? Oh, they would look like the things that, you know, do a food journal so we can evaluate trans you eat too much. I'm like, I am making that up. I am not doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a lot of that kind of stuff, when you do your, obviously your practice, you know, nutrition counseling, which we get one measly class. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about like, Oh, we'll look at their food and tell them what they were. They're missing things. And it just felt, you know, it, it, it very, it very much felt like the authoritarian, like I know more than you mm-hmm. and you're doing it wrong. And, mm-hmm. you know, t- that would send me personally back into a shame spiral. I couldn't have handled that if somebody had been that kind of dietitian for me. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, I'm not doing it this way. So I'm almost out and I'll figure it out later. Let's just get this internship done. Same yeah. kind of thing. I spent a lot of time in my internship doing things that, you know, we're not trained to do it. <laughs> it like I would go into people's rooms like, oh, you need a cardiac diet. Well, okay. So here's what I'm actually supposed to teach you. This is what I would say actually, I want to hear about like typically what you do and tell me about your relationship with that, mm-hmm. with these foods. And we were stressors. And I was just, I was, was doing the things that we all know how to coach people do now because I didn't know what else to do. I just started talking to them as a person and not like as an authority. And at least they didn't send me out of the room, like, get out of here. I hate you. And here's your yeah. paper as it's hitting you in the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I had a better experience. I just had a better experience. So I would do the education with the basics or whatever, but really just focused on them mm-hmm. and not me. And 
not making it about me feeling like I did a good job and I'm a good dietitian, but like them having a good experience. So that's how I got through. Um, and then the next hot second is like, okay, so I got to get a job. What mm-hmm. is a job where you don't talk about weight basically? So dialysis is where I landed with the intent of figuring out like, how do I be, and it wasn't always, I, God gave me a lot of space. On, like I had time where it's like, didn't push me to try to be anything, do anything, have any kind of mission, which was wonderful. Cause I'd spent most of my life being a perfectionistic people pleasing kid. So it was really nice to have some time just to like work and have a life a little bit. And I was newly married after I, I guess I was married in my internship. So I was 25 then. So I started or 24, 25. Um, so I worked in dialysis probably three years total, but the first year was just learning how to be a professional and talk to people. And then, mm-hmm. um, again, did the same thing. Like here's your potassium phosphorus education and let's move on to like you <laughs> and yeah. what was your weekend like and how was your eating and how was that for you to be at that barbecue and not eat as much watermelon as you wanted? Mm-hmm. That's the conversations I would have. Um, and I didn't know I was doing counseling. I just was talking to people. Right. So um, by the second year, I'm like, okay, it's, it's time now. Like, I just felt that nudge. The Holy Spirit's like, it's time. And it wasn't a nudge. It was like a drumbeat. Like, it's time to do this. And so I found a woman who'd been doing this work, um, kind of like a contemporary with like the people who wrote intuitive eating, that kind of generation that um, took me on as her associate. And I just started learning and training. And that started in 2006. Um, and I worked as a nutrition therapist, working with all kinds of eating disorders and doing this work. And um, that evolved into being more trauma informed by about the fifth year in, I guess. Um, we yeah. can talk about that here in a second, but this whole journey really has been about, um, you know, it, it was more secular for a long time and we'll talk about that in a second, but um, just kind of helping people come home to themselves in terms of like trusting their food and trusting themselves with food again. And like the root of this, um, mm-hmm. I'm always kind of one of the guests wants to get to the heart of it as soon as clients can tolerate that. And that's kind of the the work I do around food and body image and movement and, and all that. And uh, the trauma informed piece came in around 2011. Um, I would love to hear more about that. Like, how did it come about? What does it mean? Yeah. Well, just a basic definition, Tracy, in case somebody doesn't know what trauma informed Mm -hmm. means. Um, Well, trauma informed really just takes into account the, um, I don't really have a great working definition of what it is yet, but for me, what it looks like with clients I work with and people may be listening is you're taking into account the defense strategy. So defense strategies mean what our physiology does when we're under threat or chronic stress. So it doesn't have to be like, Oh, I went through this um, physical, mental, emotional, sexual abuse at X, Y, Z age, or I was in a car accident, which that's all included but trauma can also be yeah, again, chronic stress. It can be the little T's, which were called like um, um, resource instability or insecurity. It can be chronically criticized. It can be, um, yeah, just in, it can be instability with where you live. There's all kinds of things that can cause it. And we can show lots of immigrants talk about it. We're going to be the big T's like physical, mental, emotional abuse, uh, war, accidents, medical trauma. It could be trauma from treatment, 
treatment things that have happened where it's just like um, everything that needed to happen didn't or too much happened um, without a compassionate witness. So trauma is basically something that's happened, either a one-off or it's pervasive and there's no relief, there's no escape, there's no compassionate witnessing. And so being informed about that helps us recognize that when a person comes in the door and they've got any struggle with food or weight, so the basics of life feel like they're a threat, we know they've had some kind of too much or not enough. Anybody who has a food issue, anybody who's currently dieted probably has some kind of root of um, too much or overwhelming experiences. That can happen in utero, that can happen at birth, it can happen throughout our lives. And there's no, like I said, repair. And um, it can come through three different ways that I experience with people. It's like, again, abuses like that, traumas. It can be attachment ruptures. So um, maybe you had good parents that tried to provide everything they could for you, but they didn't have emotional capacity. So emotions aren't allowed. That, that's, that would be attachment ruptures. Um, or things being inappropriate. So your parents are great. They love you, but they never let you have a voice or ever make a decision. And so it's almost like you're over, um, overprotected and there's no room for you. Mm-hmm. So that can cause you to feel like um, you don't, you don't, you don't, all, you don't at all trust your needs because they've been managed for you in a way that other people think are appropriate, but you don't have a say. And then the other thing that I see people come in with is sensory processing stuff, right? Um, Food aversions, um, being sick and maybe being sick on a certain kind of food, which was really overwhelming to you. Um, You know, ARFID basically that can happen or sensory processing just from other parts of your nervous system. So just feeling overwhelmed by life, sounds, sights, um, textures, whatever, Mm -hmm. all three of these. Um, need to give us all pause of like, when we are not able to eat normatively or digest um, normatively, we've had our systems, our nervous systems have had, are having to cope with something beyond our capacity. And um, when that happens, we will look for a defensive strategy and that can turn into more of a sympathetic response, which is over exercise, calorie counting, um, ruminating, moving when we don't really want to move, but we think we have to, um, self-harm. And then it can look more dissociative and that will be more in like the dorsal part of our nervous system, which is foggy thinking, checking out, not eating all day long because just don't notice we even have a body to eating to feel something. So, you know, looking at eating from that lens, help us see that it's a lot more than like having enough knowledge there's plenty of information out there now, right? Mm-hmm. Plenty of podcasts, plenty of blog posts, plenty of everything, uh, memes. But when we try to do it and it doesn't stick, it doesn't land, that means we don't have capacity in our nervous systems to hold it because there's too much other stuff going on in our system. Or we never had the experience. So, you know, again, I said like one reparative experience from my eating disorder is like I had a foundation of nor- what normal eating looks like and feels like inside. But if you don't, then when you do it to eat normally and like you go to treatment, they say, okay, well, get your groceries and let's plan ahead. And you're like, I don't even know what making a rice crispy cheat looks like because mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed them. And I never got to be involved in the process. You are missing a neural pathway for those normative experiences. So oftentimes that's why recovery has to go slower than we want it to, because we have to build a neural pathway for what these 
what a normative experience is supposed to feel like because a lot of times our clients just don't have it. So what does this look like, Tracy, when someone's coming into your office and you're starting to work with them and you're looking for these, you know, signs and you're mm-hmm. your trauma informed. So you're looking for big T trauma or little T trauma. And mm-hmm. what does it look like kind of pulling that out and then working through it? Well, people tell me their story, right. And tell you all their stories of, yeah, we moved and um, I was alone a lot when we moved because my parents were really stressed and they had to work more. Right. You should get mm-hmm. that should get your attention. Mm-hmm. Um, a 10 year old's not supposed to be always fending for themselves. That's going to be too much for a 10 year old system. So I'm looking at things developmentally to mm-hmm. know, and then ask them, what was that like for you to be alone so much? I don't remember it that much. Okay. They don't have any feelings about that. That tells me they're dissociated. Mm-hmm. Just little things like that. Um, because babies have feelings and emotions. Um, if somebody says, Oh yeah, my mom did happen to tell me that the cord was around my neck and I never slept and I was the worst baby right there. Mm -hmm. There's a big, big stressor. This kid couldn't breathe and doesn't know that they're not, you know, getting ready to come out and not going to die. So you, you've already got some sympathetic going at birth. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be traumatized, but it's a sign. If somebody's really anxious, that to their neurobiology of just having more stress hormones floating around for since the beginning. Yeah. So it could be a, it could be a beginning physiologically of hypervigilance than of OCD, mm-hmm. you know, and that couldn't, and they're like, well, we had a great childhood and nothing bad happened. Well, that happened though. Yeah. So it's not always that something did, you know, somebody did something wrong. Life is, life is tough. I mean, we, we know we are, we have been, Warned, right? And not warned, but like instructed in the Bible that um, we um, aren't guaranteed it um, stress free, bad thing happening life. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we can recognize sometimes through it, it's almost like the suffering of the eating disorder helps us, encourages us to be curious about, you know, what was too much both from our life experience and maybe what's missing in our biblical experience to make sense of that and how he would instruct us to go forward. Mm -hmm. I'm just sitting here like, uh, it's so nice. I know there are women listening, Tracy, that you just gave them permission to acknowledge that there have been hard things. That's right. Even if I think there's so much of, well, but I had a good life and my parents cared and, you know, or just discounting um, things that can be really, really stressful for a person. That's right. um, Depending on so many, so many factors. Depending on the resources, like like you said, right, Charlie? So it's like, um, you know, what can be one person's too much or trauma is another person's like, yeah, that was really rough, man. But I had a great teacher or a grandma or somebody that, and if they, especially if there's a relationship with God in there, it's like, that's, that's a thing. They just laid out in the past mm-hmm. they, and they literally, literally can say that they feel that way. It's, it's, it's real. It's not like, Oh, you did in the past, leave the past in the past. It's like, but you're still nursing it with your resentments or your whatever. It's like, we can truly do that. But first you have to acknowledge it, that it happened. And if you don't, you carry this shame. Like, well, why is it taking so long to get better? 
and it's because they're, um, I'm going to read something. I think this is important that there, sometimes we have this suffering and it's to help us understand that there can, there's no thing that we're experiencing that isn't causeless. And that makes us dig into like, well, what of the world am I too involved in? What traumas haven't been healed or helps us understand blessings and curses, generational sin and the need for repentance. It's like, if things don't make sense, we have to dig a little more versus like, just look at the surface of like, I have great parents. Well, you do. And um, what was happening, maybe that you were exposed to that you just don't remember. Mm-hmm. And maybe you won't remember. Maybe the Holy Spirit will reveal it, reveal it to you. Maybe it's like, no, our family's pretty cleaned up from all that. And like we're living pretty holy, but I'm really competing to belong in the world. Mm-hmm. You're not going to, you're going to use this defensive strategy of dieting to serve that master then. Mm-hmm. So um, I do say all that for that very reason that you picked up on Charlie is like, it, we need to be able to um, give permission that if we're struggling, there is a reason for it, period. Yeah. I'm hearing a lot of compassion for it too. Yes. And mm-hmm. not judgment. And I think. I know just speaking for myself, my, (laughs) when I was searching for my own root cause, my own uh, traumas in life, it was very, um, very judgmentally and, you know, searching for the purpose of rooting it out and getting rid of it. And it's bad. And Mm -hmm. I'm not hearing that with the way you're talking about. Mm -mm. It's all welcome. I see this as clients like, you know, whatever's going on here, that party that's really mad about what I just said about body image, the need for something different to happen in your food for you to thrive and um, to live out your destiny. That part's welcome here. Mm-hmm. We can handle it. It's not those times where people is going to, nobody's going to shut that down here. And um, being able, especially from a Christian perspective, you know, we're, we got to hurry up and forgive and move on. And it's not that that's not true. And um, if you're constantly trying to forgive somebody for what they did, you're not, you haven't felt the feelings about that yet. And there's a reason for that. Oh, we weren't allowed to. That's not nice. That's not good to be angry about somebody and how they treated you because you're supposed to be a certain way. Well, that's that's the way the enemy gets some of us <laughs> through this condemnation. That's not what God asked, what God does, though. Yeah, I feel like and that's a way that um, people really get away with hurting people for a very long time. That's right. Is the people they're hurting having that. I have to forgive and move on. Mm-hmm. Situation. So I want to pose something to you, Tracy, mm-hmm. that I yeah. have talked about a lot. Um, Aaron knows my and. Um, I went through a lot of trauma. I've shared my story here. People know about that. Um, and I really used to walk through life of the like, Yes, I went through a lot of trauma and I had good support and I worked through it and my life is really good now. So like, I'm good. It's in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like some things would happen that it would come up and I would be like, oh, what, what, what is this? And in the last couple years or so in working with a therapist, I, I had this this realization, I think Holy Spirit gave this to me of like, there's an and Mm -hmm. like, I have forgiven 
I am at peace a lot with what I went through. I I can talk about it pretty openly. There's all these things. And, and sometimes I still relate to that 10 year old girl or 16 year old girl or 20 year old girl that went through those things. And those experiences still inform some of my reactions or interactions. Um, So it doesn't have to be, it's not one or the other. There's kind of this and where I understand my trauma. I see it. I recognize it. um, I can forgive it. I can work through it. And sometimes I still feel it. Yes. So we have a body, right? So we have our body and we have our soul and our spirit. The body, because it's, it's made up of these, you know, God gave us this nervous system Mm -hmm. to help protect us and maybe keep us from harm, right? To like, okay, you you feel like this isn't a cool van to be parking by, don't do it. And if you listen to that, you know, there may be something to it. Um, I'm glad we can dissociate because I don't want to remember being in a car accident and all the gore of that. If that's what happened, like I'm in a car accident, I'm glad we can check out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So these are strategies that our nervous system does to keep us, if you want to look at it very bio, like with mammals, Mm-hmm. Um, I was saying that God made us like gazelles. He didn't, but we have some of physiology that does some of this where it's like, if you sense that something isn't safe, you're going to first want to run or to fight. Mm-hmm. If running or fighting isn't available, which it's not available usually when we're kids, which is why um, some trauma happened because you have no choice. You're going to have some stuck physiology, like juice. I call it in their energy in there. And that's why we have um, triggers. Is because things in now time, if they feel really, really, really familiar to that stuck memory stuff, charge, not just the memories, but like the sensations, we can get triggered. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we can't run or fight, we've got that thwarted escape and we'll dissociate. Mm-hmm. So underneath dissociation is usually a lot of charge physiologically of just survival energy. It's not any woo-woo stuff. It's just like, wow. I mean- you could have a lot of, you know, epinephrine, adrenaline, ATP, whatever, trying to get to those legs, but those legs can't move. So we check out because if we do get hurt, we don't have to feel it as much. Mm-hmm. And we, our brains will try to keep the memory of it being so overwhelming out of consciousness because we might be at a place where there's no repair. It's not maybe God's timing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't remember much of my trauma until I had my kid. Yeah. 2011, which is why I started doing trauma work. It's like, I was seeing stuff. The Holy Spirit was allowing this stuff to come up because he knew it was time for me to like work on it. I had the space, I had the um, support. Mm -hmm. And maybe before that it wasn't, it would have maybe, what's the right word? It could have disabled my life. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like, for you, Charlie, there's a, just a lot more, just, just some body memory. And I don't think that's, um, there's no shame around that. It's just something your body needed to do to deal and not like basically fra- totally fragment and lose your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now we can just work on the, when you have the, the flinches, I call them inside of like, Oh, I want to run. Oh, I'm obsessing. We can say like, Oh, what does my body need right now? Do I need to push against the wall? Do I need to lay on the floor? Do I, you know, what, do I need to do 10 jumping jacks and move some of that energy because I, I can orient to like, it's now time. And this is body memory. Mm-hmm. 
and it keeps you out of the story because yeah. you know you know god already took that has helped you heal that part but you might have some physiology gunk left oh so good tracy yeah, I have a feeling you're blowing some people's minds right now, Tracy, <laughs> in the best way possible. <laughs> and, you know, I want to share that, I, I, I guess going back to how I got back to God, I think this is a good moment for it because, like, I went into this eating disorder world. And, um, again, there's two reasons for that I, I, I believe that are true. One is that God wanted me to see the nitty gritty of what – um, going deep into relying on ourselves looks like. Mm. Um, and I also have that lineage. Um, honestly, I have four generations back of people being high level, um, Freemasons and that's inviting all kinds of evil into your lives and into your generations. And so I, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm a super highly sensitive person and enemy was after me because God, you know, when he makes highly sensitive people, makes you more sensitive to him and, his purpose for you and how he wants to use you. Um, but also with all that, you know, other stuff, worship and divination and all that makes you be able to know stuff and see stuff and hear stuff that, um, what the enemy will do with that is make you look really, really superior and special. Um, and I experienced that in my first, uh, several years of training in the eating disorder world and a lot of people are into all that and nobody knows that. So I think he allowed me to be in this, in that really, really new agey world for a while and didn't let me go all the way down the drain with it and pulled me out of it. Um, as I started doing my trauma work to understand the root of why all that was so easy for me. Like mm -hmm. I taught myself how to be a shaman. <laughs> I didn't have to go to South America for it. Um, and of course how to do a lot, a lot of work, um, to obviously renounce all that, let all that go. Um, do I did a lot, a lot of work with more biblical counseling to like understand, um, you know, what God's plans are for our gifts are, and be able to see that in the world and how deceived a lot of our clients are as well, like dabbling and stuff. That's like, yeah, it's no big deal. I'm like, mm, maybe not, or maybe that's step one of ten that the enemy's got you on, mm -hmm. and so that's part of my work too is helping people get, be out of deception as much as possible, even if it feels good and is helpful. Um, so how he draw, drew me back was through struggling through a lot of my own, like you're discussing Charlie, ab reactions and sensations. And like, I'm searching through all this um, trauma work slash people who I didn't knew, they were great trauma therapists and um, also did a lot of um getting information from other sources that aren't God to help people heal. And I was doing all that and recognizing um, we're not really getting to the root of this. I'm still triggered every which way, but loose. I just understand everything and how it works, but that's not full healing. So I, you know, how we do when we get desperate, we start reaching out to him. Like I've tried everything <laughs> and I still have this self-hatred and I don't think I did anything wrong. So what is this? You know, that was the enemy trying to keep me searching versus again, um, surrendering mm -hmm. to not knowing everything and letting him lead the way. So I think even the trauma world, we have to kind of be mindful of there's some really possibly helpful, good stuff. But, and, and at the end of the day, we need to rely on him yeah. for how he, how he wants to heal this trauma. So I've healed a lot of stuff in a little bit more his way 
in, I don't know, a year and a half, two years than I did in 10 years of trauma therapy. So what did that look like healing it this way? So honestly, prayer. I mean, the person I work with, we start off with a lot of prayer. I ended up working with somebody who did have had experience with the kind of background I have. So it was very specific kind mm-hmm. of work. Um, and then um, just really looking at the consequences of um, idol worship, being your own God. I needed that kind of education to break a lot of that off. Mm-hmm. And then also being able to like have somebody hold that space to feel those sensations and not check out to feel safe and to really bring God into all that healing. So I've gotten a lot of healing just per- pursuing it his when I say his way, meaning like um, um, just pursuing him. It's not even more fancy than that. I really just like studying like um when we rebel, for me, it was like the study of like, when we rebel, what's the consequences? And whether we did the rebelling or our family did the rebelling, what's the consequences when we come into obedience to him? What are the blessings? Mm-hmm. And he's just done a lot of it for me, to be honest, because, I, I, you know, um, everything I've ever done to try to heal myself with like a lot. I mean, we have to put our own effort in. We have to, you know, from an eating disorder perspective, we are doing the, I'm not going to diet. We're doing the, Oh, I know this right now. I know if I exercise, this is about burning calories to have a smaller body, to get people to love me. You know, be, that's our work. And to be able to invite him in that, to heal that need to get love from people in that way. Mm-hmm. So that's an example. It's like, you know, I, I don't know about you all, but I've had pretty much every single time when I'm working with people and I talk, talk about prayer, most of the time people haven't like for real legitimately contritely, like, I do not want to have this. I do not want to have this body obsession. I want to be okay with how you want me to be. I don't want to have this eating disorder. There's a lot of like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to binge. I'm a, I don't want people to, there's a lot of kind of sort of praying for recovery, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of like, I don't want this anymore and needing it because I, I know that the parts of us who've had trauma are afraid to be in this world. I don't know how to do it. I don't have enough of my sense of myself to be set apart yet. And that's usually what we're helping people with is having, building our faith mm-hmm. that we really were saved by him. And no matter what happens and how people um, receive who we are heal like not obsessing about food and weight or um, having more of a voice or having better boundaries. These are all the things that our clients up against that are hard mm-hmm. knowing that no matter what, he's not leaving us mm-hmm. that it's worth being different. You know, forever is worth being different for. Yeah, absolutely. So good. I think that's such good encouragement to surrender because I feel like a lot of women intellectually know that dieting and weight focus is not helping them out of their problems, but it's very difficult to just refocus your gaze back on God and like really let that be what leads you into the surrender. I think it's going to be a messy thing. I think we have this, like I'm going to surrender to God and I'm going to feel really good it could be more like I have a group, a peaceful eating group, when we do all this work there in a group setting. And it's one woman. She's very, very devout. She's so wonderful. 
And she had the courage to like, you know, I'm really jealous. I'm hearing you all have better functionality with um, using movement just to like, you know, have less creaky bones or feel more um, able to do your life stuff. And I can't have that. And for her to say that, mm-hmm. it takes so much courage because we're supposed to be those guys never have bad feelings. I never like everything's wholly perfect. Like, nope, that's the enemy trying to get you in perfectionism and in denial. And we can't be having that. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to name that um, and know that we don't <laughs> need to feel that jealousy, but we're really hurting or the fact that I have a chronic illness mm-hmm. and I have to live with that. That's, that's what he wants us to be doing is like, no, you know, really our hearts be searched around that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. And to, to be honest and open about it and mm-hmm. like you get to be honest and open about it right. with God um with people and it doesn't make you less of a Christian that's it doesn't right. make you less faithful um I mean that's God right. knew God knows Jesus came and lived this life as a human God knows what it's like to be a human on this earth Mm-hmm. and knows the pain we're going to go through, knows um, these struggles and, and, and what they are. And I, when we just, when we discount things, the good things or the things that really stink, like, I mm-hmm. feel like we're, we're, we're discounting him. That's right. 100% agree. It's like, if we can let it all be, it's all welcome here mm-hmm. and know that we're only holding on. We're only, um, feigning a guy altogether um, because again, we're looking at through the way the world looks at it. If we look at through how God's going to look at our struggles, our feelings, it's like, well, I, I know, I know what this is. I know where this came from, like hand it over. Mm-hmm. Yep. So good. I just have a feeling that somebody is going to hand it over for hearing. Tracy, mm-hmm. powerful stuff. I hope so. I hope this is an encouragement to like get in relationship with other people you feel relatively safe enough with. Yes. Um, I couldn't have done this all by myself. I didn't have, I know sometimes, especially if you've been through hard stuff like trauma, it is really hard for even people that love us mm-hmm. to be able to hear this stuff and hold the space because it's hard and it's important that you're with people who are mature. Mm-hmm. Christians, they don't have to be a therapist or a counselor, but if they are, that's awesome. Don't be afraid. I think it's a big deal to um, be willing to trust somebody who has this kind of experience because um, these are the burden bear- bearers. Mm-hmm. Like we, we, all three of us are here because we've been through some stuff. So we're not afraid of it. And um, we're here to do all of this. People like us are all here to do this with, with you in truth and love, not trying to be God for you, but to help you to remind you that he's there for you to heal this. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, Tracy, everyone is going to want to know where they can find you mm-hmm. because you are just a wealth of knowledge and wisdom and encouragement. So thank you for being here. And, and could you tell uh, the listeners, where they can connect with you online, where they can uh, work with you, how all that works. Please give us the yeah, details. Yeah, definitely. Well, so um, the easiest place is probably just to go to my website, tracyrunardy.com. 
hopefully in the fall, I'll have another link there that leads to a, like, my website now is just pretty neutral, but we are working on some all 100% faith-based everything. So it'll be like a sister website and eventually that old one will probably get dissolved <laughs> into the new one, but it's all a work in progress. But TracyBrownRD.com for now. Um, and we do one-on work. Uh, we also have a group. Um, and I do a lot of um, freely given kind of encouragement videos, kind of like this, but broken into five-minute chunks. Um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or at least twice a week for sure on Facebook. So just my name. Tracy Brown RD. And that's about it. Um, I, uh, I do hope this, this time we all spent together and everybody listening to the sounds of our voices is blessed by it and encouraged and is protected and, and guided. So I appreciate you all having me. Of course. It's our pleasure. And before we let you go, we've got some quick questions. Sure. <laughs> A little bit on the lighter note <laughs> compared to what we've been talking to. But first of all, coffee or tea? And how do you take it? Oh, coffee and, well, cream and sugar. But if you want to give me some vanilla old school coffee mate, that's great too in it. But yeah, good. Lots and lots of hot, hot, hot coffee. Um, would you rather work from home or out in an office? At home. I've been at home doing virtual since 2014. So yeah, I never go back to an office. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, going on a cruise, yay or nay? Uh, I've been on one and I felt, feel, I don't know. I, 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 I know you want a straight answer. I, I want to say neutral. Mm -hmm. I'll say yes, but once every 10 years, not, not often, but every once in a while will be fun. Okay. Um, you said you were an athlete when you were younger. Mm -hmm. What did you play? What's your sport? Yeah. So I played softball and basketball. Um, and you can imagine I was, I wasn't the best, but I was the, the team leader heart <laughs> of like, we got this. So, yes. I see yeah. that. Uh -huh. I'm like, it doesn't matter that we suck. Let's, let's do our best. <laughs> um, so. and right now, what's your favorite beverage? Oh, you know what? I'm into those. I, maybe this is a new cultural thing. I don't know, but like these sparkly waters are pretty mm -hmm. fun right now especially it's summer, like watermelon flavored, watermelon lime flavored stuff. That's, that sounds good. Yeah, I agree. So good. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tracy. We are, Heron and I, I know have been blessed by this conversation yeah. and I know that our listeners will be as well. So I can't thank you enough for taking the time. Oh, well, thank you all for having me. And um, yeah, I do pray that that God um, uses the three of us today to, um, help pursue him. It's not about us. It's about him. So, um, and everything that we've, um, I, I just want to make sure I reiterate that like where we are now, us even being alive is because of him, not because of something we studied for whatever. So. Would you close us in prayer? I will do my best. Sure. So heavenly father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, that everyone who's heard this recording and hears the sounds of our voices is blessed and that we ask that God, you send your most aggressive warning and ministering angels to guide, guard, protect and defend everyone here and their recoveries and deliver them from everything that's oppressing their walk with you and for living out the destiny that you wrote for them. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening today. We hope this episode inspired you to look deeper into your relationship with food and body and really get to that root cause, that soul wound, so that you can begin your healing journey. We recognize that for many of us, just listening to a podcast isn't really all we need to heal. So we want to encourage you to go seek whatever help you need on your healing journey. Maybe it's a coach, maybe it's a Christian counselor, maybe it's a dietitian, maybe it's all three. In case you're wondering uh, what it's like to work with a professional, I asked Tracy Brown to share with us about what it's like to work with her and her team. And this is how Tracy described it. I'm just going to read her email. A little about us so you know what to expect when you work with a non-diet Christian dietitian. We are a group of four trauma-trained, non-diet, eating disorder dietitians. We help people make peace with food and weight so that food can just be food and people can feel safer and better in their own skin. When this happens, the defensive strategies and idols fall away. God is so good. We are different from typical dietitians in that we don't prescribe weight loss for health or improve self-confidence, but instead help people become their own food and nutrition experts, discover worth and value outside of body size, and learn to navigate health behaviors without perfectionism or black and white thinking. We understand people have complex histories and hurtful experiences with family, other health providers, and the world which can be prejudiced and not listening. So Tracy and her team aim to partner with you to have agency about having your recovery match your values. We understand the physiology of trauma and stress and what quote, I feel fat or quote, I gotta eat impulses and feelings mean at a deeper level and can help you unpack and renew your mind around these common getting stuck points. You can find us at tracybrownrd.com, that's tracybrownrd.com, or healbytheword.com, that's healbytheword.com. And if that sounds good to you, Tracy and her team have openings and are eager to see what the Lord is going to do. So feel free to reach out to her. Ladies, get the help you need. Contact Tracy and her team, contact a Christian counselor, contact a coach, whatever it is you need for your healing journey. We just really want to encourage you to not stay stuck and to believe that God wants you healed and is going to help you to move forward in that healing journey. Thanks again for listening today, and we will see you in the next episode.